This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Grass-fed beef versus grain-fed. Is there really a difference when it comes to meat? We speak to a researcher from the U of T who has cut into the meat of the matter to give us the skinny. And speaking of skinny, Ontario Cabinet Minister Brad Duguid is 25 pounds lighter and living healthier after a health scare back in April gave him a wake-up call. He'll share his story. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It may be a small sample size, but new tests published in the journal Aging show that memory loss in early-stage Alzheimer's patients can be reversed. Researchers at the Buck Institute on Research and Aging in California say that after being introduced to a 36-point program called MEND, including changes in diet, exercise, specific medications, and sleep, 10 patients have shown improvement in long-term memory. At least one of the subjects even returned to work after undergoing the program. However, the study authors stress more research needs to be done to confirm the findings. As part of Her Majesty's continuing 90th birthday celebrations, some of the Queen's royal wardrobe is going on public display at Buckingham Palace this summer. The exhibit... Fashioning a Reign, 90 Years of Style from the Queen's Wardrobe, will feature a wide range of clothing from Elizabeth's childhood to the outfit the monarch wore at Prince William and Kate Middleton's wedding in 2011. As the summer wears on, the heat and humidity can cause real problems for people who have respiratory issues. In Charleston, South Carolina, a donation-funded project aims to keep Zoomers cool by providing air conditioners to people who need them. The program has been in place since 1999 and helps out about 500 people every year. And helping a local senior center is as easy as eating out at a food truck on a Friday. Food trucks stationed at a couple of venues in North York on Fridays this summer will donate a portion of the proceeds to the North York Senior Center. One of the organizers of the event says it's a great way for people at the Senior Center to get to know their neighbors and interact over food. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It was a life-changing health scare that could have ended very badly. Back in April, Brad Duguid, Minister of Economic Development and Growth, nearly ignored the indigestion and mild discomfort he was feeling. It was lucky he decided to check it out because it turned out that he'd had a heart attack at the age of 53. Since then, he's changed his lifestyle for the better, and he wants to share his experience. Brad Duguid... 
thanks so much for joining us, and I'm so glad you're healthy. Well, Libby, I'm glad I'm healthy as well. I, the funny thing is, I never, ever felt unhealthy. As you know, I had a heart attack on April 15th, but it wasn't one of those massive heart attacks. In fact, I really didn't even know what was happening until after the fact, and I was told that I had had a heart attack. You know, they're all different, and everybody reacts differently. Uh, but to me, it was certainly was a wake-up call in terms of lifestyle and changes, and uh, and uh, as well, uh, if you're feeling something in your body that you don't normally feel, having it checked out right away. I gather it all started with a salami sandwich. Well, the salami sandwich had nothing to do with it, <laughs> but it was uh, it was my choice of uh, of meal. I got home after uh, a long day. It was a Friday probably around 10.30, uh, and uh, went to bed, uh, grabbed a quick salami sandwich before I went to bed. Felt a little bit of indigestion. It wasn't indigestion I was feeling. Uh, it was a heart issue, but uh, uh, it felt like that. Um, and uh, looked for a Tums or something like that and couldn't find it, uh, so just went to sleep. Woke up the next morning, uh, still not feeling 100%, but worked out anyway. Went about my day. Uh, I was still feeling this indigestion, so I had a busy Monday and Tuesday coming up and thought, well, I better uh, get this checked out. Uh, eventually did, uh, and thank God I did, because it could have been a lot worse had I not have uh, done what I think 80% of guys would do, just kind of write it off and say, ah, it's just something, indigestion or whatever. But uh, I guess the message I would have there is, look, I'm 53 years old, If you, whether you're 30, 40, 50, uh, if, you've, if you're feeling something that you've never felt in all those years, uh, then you, it's probably something wrong with you that you haven't had before that you ought to get checked out. Now, you nearly didn't get it checked out because you went to a walk-in clinic and you decided you didn't want to wait. I had a busy day. I had a lot of work to do that day. So I, um, I didn't want to spend an hour waiting in the clinic. Uh, so I, I said, okay, you know what? I don't feel that bad. So I went on, did a few more errands, and was ready to go home to engage in my work again. And I just realized that the, the feeling was, if anything, getting worse. It wasn't getting better, and decided to go to another clinic at that point uh, where they checked me out and found my blood pressure very high, which is very unusual, and did a uh, ECG, I think they call it, uh, mm-hmm. on the heart, uh, and said, there's something going on here. They weren't quite sure what it was, but they thought there's something going on here. So that's when they sent me to the hospital to get a blood test. And what did that show? I had an artery that was 99% blocked. Wow. Uh, so the heart wasn't getting the oxygen it needed. Uh, and I, uh, if I would have let it uh, stay like that, it uh, could well have led to a much more massive uh, issue. And you'd never had any issues with your heart before? No. You know, and the funny thing is, uh, I, I hadn't. Uh, I was in reasonably good shape for a 53-year-old. I run, I work out. Uh, I don't eat that badly. At least I didn't think so. Uh, I don't drink a ton, and I never smoked. So all those risk factors uh, were not present. It feels young to be having something like this happen. Um, I thank God that it did, because uh, the artery that they they found out was was 99% clogged, was was one of the smaller arteries. Uh, My larger artery, they found out, was about 80% clogged, uh, and that's a tragedy just waiting to happen. Uh, So by by getting it checked out and doing the angiogram and uh, getting the angioplasty and the stents put in, uh, no question that it's uh, it certainly has prolonged my life, and and uh, as long as I look after myself going forward and ensure I, I do the right things, uh, exercise and eat well and 
and that kind of thing, uh, I'll uh, I expect that I'm going to be around a lot longer. Have you cut out red meat altogether? I have so far, um, I, and I, I, you know, they say that everybody's different, uh, and uh, you know, the program that I, I'm in in uh, Rouge Valley, uh, the cardiac care program, has been really good. And they don't tell people to cut everything out unless they choose to, uh, but eat in moderation, uh, and you can have a little bit of that if you choose to. How do you stay on track? I imagine there are a lot of temptations around, especially when you're a cabinet minister. Temptations are getting lazy about planning your meals uh, and uh, letting your schedule take over uh, and run your life like it often does in these, this kind of work. So I've managed to work with my staff who have been very helpful. Uh, my wife has been, been a huge support uh, in helping uh, to, with me to, to, to make the meals in advance that I need to eat. Uh, and it's not, once you get into the habit of doing that, it's not so bad. Your message to other people, especially somebody who thinks, you know, indigestion is, is one of those classic symptoms that's so easy to confuse with something that's really nothing. Well, look, I, I, I think most people who know me, I, I'm kind of a guy's guy. Uh, I, uh, you know, I like the outdoors. I play sports. I'm uh, one of those guys that felt that they were invincible like many other men out there feel, and maybe some women too. Um, you know, what I've learned is we're not invincible. Brad Duguid, thank you for sharing your story and stay healthy. I will do my very best. You too, Libby. Good talking to you. That was Ontario Cabinet Minister Brad Duguid about his life-changing moment and his decision to become a healthier version of himself. And speaking of healthier eating, we'll delve into the difference between grass-fed and grain-fed coming up. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. It's not always easy to negotiate the grocery aisles when you're trying to eat healthier. A lot of attention is being paid to the way our meat is raised. Is grass-fed meat really better, and is it worth the extra expense? Richard Bazinet, Associate Professor of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Toronto Faculty of Medicine, put this question to a scientific test, and he joins me now. What I did was, I've been hearing anyways, that these these grass-fed animals, grass happens to be absolutely full of omega-3s and low in omega-6s, that they have a lot more omega-3s in it. So I went around 15 stores farmers markets, butchers, and I asked, can you give me a grass-fed steak? If they said yes, I just took it. And if they said no, I just took their their grain-fed steak. And I analyzed them. And I I was really surprised for two reasons. One is remarkable differences. So grass-fed beef has a lot more omega-3s in it. It, It's it's never going to be a salmon, but it's it's a step in that direction. Uh, The other thing is almost all the samples I've analyzed now, which was 15 then, is probably closer to 100 now, were, were accurately labeled. Uh, one exception. So when people were saying our product was grass-fed or pasture-raised, by my analysis, it really was. Okay. So give me an idea of the percentages of omega-3 fats in the grass-fed beef compared to the other. Yeah. So 
beef, you know, what happened a long time ago, somebody called me up and said, can you analyze some of these beef samples for me? They have omega-3s in them. And I said, no, they don't. You're wrong. Uh, and this person was a food writer. His name was Mark Schatzker, and he had, he had these unique grass-fed steaks. So I actually analyzed them and was much surprised. You know, I wasn't taught this in the textbooks, but they had a lot more. And we're looking at a difference of about 75 milligrams. Now, let me put that into context a bit. The literature tells us that we need to increase our intake by about 120 milligrams a day to see a health benefit for heart disease or something That's like that. over and above what we have now. Yes. So one serving of these products won't quite get you there if you do the math, but, but maybe two will. Uh, I'm now, I'm not telling people to go and eat two steaks a day, but, <laughs> but this isn't just about steak. This shows up a little bit in your milk. Grass-fed milk has more omega-3s. Chicken is actually remarkable. Chicken, you can get way into that 100 milligrams, no problem with one serving of chicken. Pork, uh, all kinds of meats uh, show this effect. And the idea is that, you know, nutrition isn't really about these superfoods and these super supplements. It's, it's about baby steps. And what I'm interested in is, are these baby steps uh, enough to take us into a health benefit? Mm-hmm. And what kind of health benefit does having additional omega-3s give us? So, so there's two general areas. Uh, the most popular area is probably heart disease. And we know that people who consume more omega-3s uh, are less likely to, to um, have heart disease. But the, the area that I'm more interested in, kind of my background, are, are kind of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease or psychiatric disorders like major depression. And we don't have a lot of data in the, in the field of psychiatry, but in the neurodegeneration field, we know that populations or groups of people that consume more omega-3s are, have a lower risk of neurodegenerative disorders. Well, it's, it's interesting. Also, you talk about Alzheimer's and the, the mantra from Alzheimer's is what's good for your heart is good for your brain. So it would make sense that if the diet is good for your heart, it also would be good for your brain, no? I think that's absolutely right. So that's an idea. And, and the modeling or, or the, the studies to date are, are confirming that hypothesis. So omega-3s, we know we get them in fish. Where else do we get them? And how much does an average grain-fed consuming person actually get? So, so the, the numbers vary wildly. So, you know, everybody talks about averages, right? So the average intake of, of omega-3s might be from the fish type of omega-3s, just under 100 milligrams to the, the, there's another... That's a day. That's a day, yes. Yeah. And then there's another type of omega-3 that's kind of more commonly found in plants. We don't have as much data, and that's just over 1,000 uh, milligrams of that one per day. But, but the range is wild, so it goes down to essentially zero. Some people consume no fish. And I think one thing that's important with this is, you know, there are groups of people who just won't eat fish, don't want anything to do with it for, for a variety of reasons. And this might be, be a way to move those people a little bit into the kind of the right direction. If you're at the top end of the omega-3 food chain, so to speak, and eating a lot of these things, yeah, these won't have a major difference for you. Now, there's the whole issue of price grass-fed food, like other types of locally grown, free-range, free-run, whatever, are more expensive. Give us an idea of how much more expensive they are. So it varies wildly, uh, and it varies by food type from beef to chicken and all these things. But I think it's reasonable to say on average they are more expensive. The the reason I, I say it varies wildly is just look at a commodity steak or standard steak. You can probably find a ribeye for you know, $5 maybe somewhere at a market, but you can also go to a high-end butcher and find it for up to $30. Uh, the the grass-fed steaks will be in that range, 
But on average, you know, compared to the $5 one, they're going to be somewhere from 20 to, to 200% more uh, in price. But, but never quite, you know, in the $30 range, unless you're getting to re- some really exotic ones. Okay, so 20 to 200% more. And are the more expensive grass-fed better in terms of their omega-3 content? So when we did this analysis, we, we've got a variety of them, and, and we didn't find that relationship uh, in terms of the, the beef or some of the other products we've analyzed. The, the, the price within the grass-fed spectrum isn't really indicative of the amount of omega-3s. Uh, to wrap things up, what would you advise people in terms of grass-fed food? So what I think people need to do is just try it. Uh, I, I think they need to go to a market, they need to, to talk to uh, the, the person at the stand or their butcher, and they need to ask about it. You know, invite a friend over, get, get some way at the market, get something to go with it, get something green, something colorful, something fun. Uh, have a friend over for dinner, compare the two, sit down, enjoy the meal. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, well, you, you've done the experiment and, and you can have the answer for yourself. Okay. Sounds like good advice. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was Richard Bazinet from the U of T on the benefits of grass-fed meat. When we come back, we celebrate the birthday of one of the two remaining members of the Beatles. Ringo Starr turned 76 recently. That's next. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In Washington, D.C., escape the heat and soak up some culture at the National Building Museum. It's offering up an artistic representation of icebergs that designer James Corner calls an opportunity to be entertained and educated. The exhibit continues all summer. In Sydney, the Museum of Contemporary Art presents New Romance, Art and the Post-Human. It brings together 18 artists from Australia and Korea whose works ponder what it means to be human today and what that might mean in the future. One of Australia's theatrical exports, comedian Rebel Wilson, is starring in the London West End production of Guys and Dolls. And Wilson says she owes her career to her dog, which auditioned for a part in 42nd Street. The dog didn't get the part, though. Guys and Dolls is on stage at London's Phoenix Theatre. And in the Netherlands, Kunsthal Rotterdam presents a large-scale retrospective of Colombian artist Fernando Botero with selections from his own collection. Paintings, sketches, and pastels provide a panorama of the artist. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. This week, Ringo Starr celebrated his 76th birthday. Ringo was the oldest member of the Beatles, but also the last to join the group. He met the rest of the Fab Four in October 1960, when his band Rory Storm and the Hurricanes performed in concert with the Beatles in Hamburg. After that night, Starr sat in with the band on a number of sessions, but it wasn't until August 1962 that he officially became the drummer of the Beatles, replacing Pete Best. During his years with the Beatles, one of Ringo's unique talents was coming up with odd quips and phrases, many of which became the inspiration for many of the group's most popular songs. Quips like, It was a hard day's night, Tomorrow never knows, and Eight Days a Week. 
That was the Beatles with Eight Days a Week. Ringo Starr celebrated his 76th birthday this week. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Nyman. Produced by Dave Woodard and Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.